we're in a series called The Road to Restoration, and we just finished worshiping about Jesus as a power to break these chains of our lives. And so a lot of us go through some difficult times that we don't, don't choose to go through. And that this is where my mantra has always been, restored in order to restore. And so we're in a series called uh, Road to Restoration, how all of us are on this path. And I've been using this illustration that we're on this journey. We're on this road trip together, trying to make it through life. And trying to find peace in the midst of storms. Trying to find joy between the clouds. And so therefore, all of us are on this journey of life. And so last week, I kind of was talking about how we're going to take a little side road break and uh, rest off, and we focus on the central part of a restoration, and that is Jesus Christ. And I was so amazed at thinking of the Andre Crouch song, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. And it's really simple if you think about it. Jesus is the way. And so prior to that, let me do a, a quick little review. And I put it on the screen. We've got to move beyond denial. We've got to fall into the grace, fall into grace when we do stumble, not if we stumble. And we need to find peace through surrendering. Now the first step all of us is some of us live in denial. We don't like to take sobered looks at ourselves. And understanding that when we remove from the restore, from the denial, for me, I cannot restore my own life. I need a higher power. I need Jesus Christ. And I need to admit that I'm powerless of restoring it. I can't restore my own self. And so, therefore, I can't heal my own self. The next thing uh, that I want to talk about is that God does not cause the pain in our lives. God does not cause the hardship, the, the, the falling or the failure in our lives. In fact, he creates this enormous situation of grace that when we do fall, and when we do, that we can fall into grace. People that don't fall do not experience grace. You don't need it. And so we all tumble, we all fall. We all need to fall into the grace of God. And we all need to begin and embrace that there's a higher power, and that higher power is through Jesus Christ. Now, two weeks ago, Pastor Reuben preached, and uh, he's off today. In fact, poor Reuben, he hasn't taken off since November. I don't know if I'm just, like, I'm this hard-nosed pastor. They go, why are you going? Why are you going? You don't take a break from God. I don't know. We don't do, <laughs> do that. But um, I hope he's enjoying But he did an outstanding job a couple of weeks ago preaching about what peace is, how to experience peace. And it's in surrendering. I don't know how many of us want to have peace in our lives. And it's always a circumstantial peace that we're focusing on to say, I need this peace. I need this to settle. But he was sharing about peace is about total surrendering. And so I want to show you up on the screen what it means to be totally surrendering to Jesus Christ because a lot of us struggle with this. The first is repent and believe and then follow. These are the three steps. Not For me, it's never a one-time thing. It's a weekly thing for me when it comes to repenting because my mind, repentiveness, all that is is to change your perspective to change your mind, to change directions in your life. There's things that I've done throughout my life. I go, this is not working anymore. 
or this hasn't been working. And I need to change my mind of thinking that I am not ultimately controlling my life. I'm not ultimately controlling the situations that I face on a daily basis, let alone in this country. I am not in control. And so, therefore, I had to learn about surrendering up with my harmful, habitual little habits that I have done in private. You know, we do all kinds of stupid things in private. But sometimes when it comes to these habitual things, I need to surrender. This is not, this is robbing my joy. And so the next one that I've learned is when we change our mind that we have to believe. Belief's important. If you don't believe in anything or don't believe things can change, then, man, it's hopeless, isn't it? And so, therefore, when I totally surrendered to Jesus, I had to learn to trust. Trust is hard, isn't it? Trust is very hard. We can trust someone, someone to do something what we expect to be done, but to fully trust Jesus with our lives, that's easy to say, but it's very hard to do, especially on a consistent basis. There's times that I've trusted Jesus for a week. You've done that? Okay, I'm going to trust. Things are going to change. A week later, okay, I've got to take things in control. And so we learn this about this trust. And so this is important. In order to trust requires action. I cannot say I believe in something and I don't put trust in something, let alone it doesn't dictate my actions. Actions always are required when you trust. Trust is, uh, belief is always required in order to trust. And so this is where the trust in Jesus, he has the power to forgive me, plus he has the power to restore my life into the joy and the way that he created my life to be. And so therefore, I can begin to experience peace. But the thing is, this is fascinating to me. Jesus calls us to follow. And do you ever wonder where you're going? I don't know if you've ever been in a situation that's not going anywhere. Have you ever been in a relationship that's not going anywhere? This doesn't make any sense. Why are we dating together? Why are we married? It's not going anywhere. A healthy relationship, including with Jesus, requires us to move forward, requires us to follow. Jesus has a specific direction for my relationship with him, with me. And then I need to continue to surrender my will to him and follow him. Now, I don't know, but most of our phones have what we call navigation systems, right? Or what we call ways. And therefore, we put in our destination and we go, okay, here's the fastest route. Ways doesn't give us the fastest route. Ways ticks me off. Have you ever used Ways? <laughs> Ways can find a dirt road in the middle of LA. I don't understand this, but it can. And Ways, it says you'll get there to your destination at 9 o'clock, and then have you seen it change? 9.20, 9.30. Why is it telling me what time? Just tell me it's going to guess. But imagine this, that all of a sudden you decide not to put the destination for your life in there anymore, and you allow Jesus to put the destination. And you say, you know what? Whatever it takes, I'm going to follow you in this situation. I'm going to follow you in my life. See, if you look on the screen, restoration begins by coming into a saving and healing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's what it comes from. So however, there are any, however, like any good relationship, it is meant to lead us in some place. And so this is where the road, a lot of us think, well, when I received Christ, this is years ago, 
and I was four years old, and I received Jesus. I didn't understand theologically what it meant. All I was told was, you don't want to go to hell, do you? Now, at four years old, burning and gnashing of teeth and internal damnation is pretty stretched on a four-year-old. This is before any horror movies I've seen. So I was in deep horror. So I said, do you want to accept Christ? And they're going, yeah, because I don't want to burn and go to hell. And so therefore, we think that when we follow Jesus, we don't want to go to hell. But it's far deeper than that because Jesus doesn't talk much about hell at all. In fact, look on the screen. The fact of the matter is that Jesus did not talk much about heaven. He, sorry, about heaven. He spoke mostly about how he came to bring us abundant life or a flourishing life or a life God intended it to be. He called this good news. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is where things are good, peaceful, harmony, and joyful. It is a place of freedom from bondage to the things that rob us of goodness, peace, harmony, and joy. That sort of freedom is what was often called salvation. But it came, it can be easily be called healing or restoration. Now, unfortunately, some people look at salvation as a formula like the sinner's prayer or the four spiritual laws, everything is formulated. And so therefore, when we look at formulas and we follow Jesus and we look at the church and we go, okay, behavior modification kicks in. How does a Christian behave? How does a Christian talk? And so therefore, there's no restoration within our hearts. There's just behavior modification. There's no transformation. This is why Christians have the reputation that they have. Because there's no true transformation and restoration in one's life. And so this is where, or if you follow on the screen, a lot of people don't understand the immensity of grace. They have received from God, and although they've gone through the mechanics of the salvation formula, they are, they are not living into a new life that is possible in Christ. What is stopping them? Their sense of shame overcomes the reality of grace available to them. Often, organized Christianity adds to a sense of shame by making them people as though they are not good enough or doing enough or trying harder. In the message, most people walk out of a lot of churches with, with on most Sundays, that message defeats grace and prevents people from moving further down the road to restoration. Do we experience freedom that we sing about? Do we experience the chain that are broken? So why does shame stop us from restoration? Why does guilt stop us from restoration? Because when we feel shame, what is our natural tendency? To hide, right? I don't want anyone knowing what happened. I'm embarrassed of it. So I carry the shame. And so therefore, I hide. Look on the screen. We live, we learn to live with these sore spots. Now here, talking about sore spots, this section of the sermon is my sore spot, <laughs> okay? So I'm going through the, what I call these open wounds in our lives. And so sore spots are interesting because to me, they're open wounds that when somebody gets close to them, or somebody mentions a topic that brings up these sore spots, we call them buttons, right? Have we ever said 
don't push my buttons, right? Don't push my buttons. A lot of us have a political button, whatever button we have. We have buttons. And therefore, if you look at the shuttle, if you look at the dash of the shuttle and see how many buttons there are, those are all my buttons. <laughs> I got so many buttons in my life that basically, I don't even know I have buttons until someone pushes the buttons, right? But the thing is, what's interesting to me is that they're your buttons. They're my buttons. There's areas of my life that I need to trust God in this area because I can be so sensitive about these particular areas of my life. In fact, look on the screen. Our sore spots are often what we are most ashamed of and what we tend to hide. The more we hide them, the more sensitive our buttons become. And the more sensitive our buttons, the more destructive towards ourselves and others we become. Shame will never heal our sore spot, but only grace can do it. Have you ever had someone react hugely over a small incident? And you're just going, what the hey? Because you hit a sore spot. You hit a sensitive, you hit a button on them. Now, let me use an example. Okay, I'm going to use a personal example. I don't have a long record with women. Now, follow me. Before I met Jennifer, I had other relationships. And all of them worked out as a disaster. So my whole attitude was, I don't trust women. I don't like them. They have this imaginary knife that when you turn around, they'll just shove it right in your back. Now, I met Jennifer, totally healthy. And this is where you have to understand about knowing what your buttons are and who's really pushing the button. Because she said something that a button of mistrust came out. And I had to distinctly remember, I can't project that on her. It's not her. It's the button of the X. Do you see what I mean? And so therefore, I had to learn to surrender that sore area of my life for me to have any type of healthy relationship in the future. And so therefore, the trust now with Jennifer and I is so intimate and so beautiful of 18 years of incredible healthy marriage. And the reason why, a lot has to do with the healing of a sore spot. Or I can walk around and say, I don't trust you, give me this, give me the data, give me all this stuff, but there's a total trust. You see what I mean? And so this is important to understand because when you look at the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul is a poster child of dealing with sore spots. And this is where it's helped me when I was young and when I first went into ministry because Paul was formerly known as Saul. And Saul was a huge Pharisee, the best of the best. And so therefore he had credentials and a, a, that went all the way from the beginning of his business card all the way to the back of his business card. Have you seen people that have that? They have all these letters behind their name. So-and-so, Dr. So-and-so, PhD, and then they go like this. This is what Paul, Saul had. And so when, when Jesus changed his life, and he was called Paul. He stopped the holy of the now. He stopped the bragging about his credentials, about how perfect he was. He stopped his judgmental 
attitude towards other people that did not live up to what he thought people should live up to. And then, get this, he bragged about the opposite. He started bragging about his sore spots, his buttons, his weaknesses. In fact, if you follow me, Paul went from being ashamed of his own sore spots and shaming others for their sore spots to having the courage to see himself exactly the way he was. Things that were once too scary for him to face about himself, he was able to find the courage to face. Why could he do this? It's because Paul found grace and therefore he found the courage to be honest. Can you imagine being honest with who you are? To say, you know what? Man, I got some issues. I got some brokenness. I got some healing that needs to take place. And so therefore, Paul learned to throw his brokenness out there. And say, this is what I'm going through. In fact, back on the screen, Paul realized that the grace he experienced with Christ more than made up for his shortcomings. And now by exposing his sore spots, he was really focusing on God's amazing grace. Even the sore spots that were not yet healed or may never be fully healed in this life did not have to be hidden because they kept him humble, aware of his constant need of God's grace to be at work in his life. It was no longer about him trying harder. It was about him being aware that only God's grace could not could get the job of healing done in his life. So once he discovered that he practically could not stop sharing about his brokenness, he bragged about his weaknesses. <laughs> Let me tell you this. He said in verse 7, Therefore, to keep me from being too elated or self-centered, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan, he didn't say God gave this to me, he said Satan gave this to me, to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for, for you, for the power is made perfect in weakness. So I may boast all more gladly about my weaknesses. This guy was throwing his brokenness out there. And he says, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So why he's throwing out his weakness is that the spirit of pride is gone. So therefore, it said, therefore, I am content with my weakness, insult, hardship, persecution, calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I'm weak, and that's the sore spots, then I am strong. Now, this is where when I went in the ministry, this text changed my life completely. The reason why, you know how many prayers, been over three, that I prayed to God, the God that could completely heal me, to heal me from my tremors, to heal me from my learning disability, to heal me from my speech impediments, so that I can be the pastor that I think God wants me to be. And I remember distinctly on my knees, emotionally, praying for a complete healing because I knew God was calling me to the ministry. How in the world can I do that? I can't pronounce half the words. This sermon is written in third grade language so I can read it. You look at how fast I can read. Well, you can read when it's a third grade writing, but you don't hear me reading the scriptures. 
they got big words. God says, my grace is sufficient. For in your weakness, I am imperfect. And so when I said yes to full-time ministry, I had to realize it's the grace of God. And I had to fall right into it. Now, 36 years later, there's times that I get frustrated with his weakness, that I get frustrated with his brokenness, that I wish I never struggled with certain areas of my life. But man, it creates a dependency and an intimate relationship with God on a daily basis. I need him. There's no way that I could live life the way I live it if it was not for him. The judgment that I get all the time when I'm up on, on the platform or within, people looking at me and go, what's wrong with that boy? Because they think I'm on drugs. They think I'm having it. I mean, I've got all, all the things. But God's grace is sufficient. For he's going to use it. He's going to use this weakness of mine that the world does not like people with disabilities. They can't, they don't know how to handle it. So the next part of restoration is for us is getting in touch with our source thoughts. I'm, that's why I'm a big advocate of the 12-step program. Not that I've ever struggled with alcoholism, but it's such a biblically based and understanding of one of the things. And if you notice, if you've done a 12-step program, the four steps, the most step is where people stop doing it. And it's biblically based. Right here, follow me on the screen. It's made a, a searching and fearless moral inventory yourself. That's step four, and that is where many people leave the 12th step. It's often too hard to look at our past choices, our mistakes, our destructive patterns, and our behaviors in which keeps our sore spots open and bleeding. The only way to take a fearless and honest look at ourselves is with grace. Those who get stuck on step four have not yet fully grasped the grace that comes with knowing God's absolute and unconditional love. This is the freedom that all of us want. And so, therefore, it's hard to experience grace and hard to experience restoration if we don't fully grasp and take a moral inventory of who we are. Because God's grace overcomes the fear, overcomes the shame. In fact, God is bigger than, our, bigger than us, and to, he loves to heal us and give us the freedom that he's called. He's called God's grace, and God's grace is awesome. And so back on the screen, when we claim our past, both the deeds we are ashamed of and the deeds that we are proud of, we can begin to acknowledge that God makes all things work for the good. There's nothing, there's nothing we have done and nothing that has been done to us that cannot be turned around and made a channel of blessing and a source of grace for the holiness of our lives. What you are proud of, surrender to the Lord. What you are ashamed of, surrender to the Lord. We can't pull ourselves up. We are pulled up by God. God does not directly destroy uh, God does not directly destroy evil. God wastes nothing and includes everything. God is known for transforming our very evils into our more perf perfect good. 
God uses our own weaknesses and sins in our favor and to move us from unconsciousness into a deeper consciousness and conscience. Why do we need to face our sore spots? It's because once we see them and once we acknowledge them, then we can surrender them. If you're in a bad relationship, if you're frustrated at work and stuff like this, eternal inventory is very hard for us to do because we as people love to blame others for why we're in the situation that we're in. I've done many marriage counseling that as long as they're blaming, it ain't going to be healed. But once they take the responsibility on their part and surrender that, God can heal anything and everything. And so that's important to understand. God's grace is our source towards our sore spots. So I want to encourage you, if you look at your connection card, it says this. Help me, Lord, to begin to view my sore spots as a shame to be concealed, but as a way for your grace be exposed. Can you imagine as a church that we're all open with our weaknesses? That we come up, I, I just would love someone to come in the church and go, you know what? I'm new here and I am messed up. The reason I'm coming here is because I'm hurting, I'm broken, and I need to be healed. So if you're part of this, then part of this, let's go. Let's work on this. And when we do that, when we surrender that, and this is where we experience the peace that passes all understanding. The joy, the joy is the inner experience that we have through Jesus Christ, not the circumstances around us. That somehow I can be hopeful in the situation in the world that we live in and hopeful that Jesus is on the throne and that, that justice will prevail. And in every situation that I am facing, that I need to trust Jesus and continue to trust Jesus through all this. May God bless you. I love this church. I love you guys. Thank you for accepting me through all my brokenness, all my frustrations. And I do really care. And one day, we're in line for heaven. You know, we can be fully, completely restored. But not right now. We're, we're in this together. There's no your side, my side. The body of Christ needs to be the body of Christ. We need to stop judging. And we need to begin to love. We're getting new t-shirts made on the back of our shirt wearing Christian clothes. That will say, more love, judge less, more love, or something like that. This is what Christ's mandate is. We shall be known as a disciples by our love. That's it. We've got to love each other. And I, personally, let me be open with you. i got to love the other side. That's hard. But through Christ, it'll happen. May God bless you and may God bless his word.